You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. My name is Pastor Chris from New Life Fellowship, and I just want to say again, welcome. It's so great to be here. Uh, while we were worshiping, there were a couple things. Uh, please don't count this against my time. Uh, we were here together. There's something about unity. Even Pastor Ben mentioned it. Uh, the blessing of Scripture, Psalm 133, says that God commands a blessing where his people dwell together in unity. It doesn't say where we come together in sameness or complete agreement on every point. It says where we decide to walk together in spite of our differences sometimes. So that blessing that's commanded is eternal life. There is something that Jesus releases in us, a quality of life that comes when we choose to come together like this to worship him and to be in unity. And uh, as, as we were worshiping Pam, uh, my wife Pam on the front row there, can, I, can we give her a hand? She's awesome that she's, she's put up with me for so long. Uh, she was just seeing pictures of talking about people being different. She was seeing pictures of different people groups. And I just want to know if we could take a, I know we've already prayed. We've done some worshiping. Can we pray right now for some different people groups? Lord, we just want to bless, not just the church. As we were singing that song this morning, the blessing of God, may his favor be upon you. We pray that over first responders and police officers, over, over inner city communities, Lord God, uh, that need your blessing, that need prosperity to come. We pray for those uh, who are divorced, Lord God, that are at home uh, by themselves wondering where their next meal or where their next paycheck's going to come from. Lord, you see those people in all the different areas and circumstances of life, and you desire to meet them right there in those places. So Lord, even that same blessing we were declaring over our lives and over our churches and our families, we speak that over the circumstances that are all around us, Lord Jesus. Let us be carriers of that blessing into those places and those circumstances where we go every day of the week. Thank you for these times that we have together on a Sunday morning when your presence is here and we're enjoying you. But Lord, let us be reminded that it's not just for here Sunday morning. Let us carry that life and that light everywhere that we go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for letting me do that. We're just believing that God uses us when we go out places. So uh, as, as we're getting ready for this weekend and thinking about the things that we're sharing and the things that we're seeing in the communities around us, have you ever come to a place where you thought that your way was the only right way? That, that your way was the best way, that it was, if everyone didn't do it your way, they're, they're less than you, or maybe they just don't know as much. Come on, is, is it just me, or is anybody else there? Come on, I, I know some of you, so I know me, and I know some of you. Think about just the stupid things we argue about. Does toilet paper go over or under the roll? Ah, o- over is the right answer, because that's the way I do it. Oh, Jesus, help us. When you, when you make a sandwich, do you cut it in half diagonally, vertically, horizontally, or no cuts at all? Oh, or crust off. We got any crust off people in the room. Come on, we think our way is the only way that it's the right way. Uh, we were just playing some games with our grandkids last week, and uh, they have this game. Has anybody ever played Uno? Oh, come on. There's oh, like 90% of the hands went up in the room. They ought to pay us a royalty for that ad this morning. Uh, they have this game now. Our, our grandkids love this. Uh, it's called Uno Attack. 
And it's actually got this little machine that instead of having to draw a card, you have to push the button on the machine and it spits random numbers of cards at you. So instead of just drawing one, you might have to get six or eight or however many in your hand. So we start playing this game with the grandkids and Jackson, our oldest grandson, he starts telling the other three, this is how this game works. These are the rules. And of course, the rules are slightly geared towards his favor. But being the person that I am, I'm so uber competitive, I pull out the rules out of the box. I say, Jackson, that's not how this works. This is the actual rules. Come on. I don't know. I, I got my competitiveness, honestly. It came from my dad. Uh, we used to play sports together. And my dad, I loved him. He's gone home to be with Jesus. But he would play sports with me until I remember one time playing basketball where I had gotten faster than my dad. And I got the ball, and I got on a breakaway. He was on the other team, and he couldn't catch me. But he could get just close enough that he put his hand right in the middle of my back and pushed me so that I missed the shot. So I got my competitiveness. Honestly, I have a hard time even letting the grandkids win any games. So I started reading the rules, and I had to realize there's a difference. There are actual rules, and there are house rules. How many of you know that? There are things that you do at your house. Like if you read the actual rules of Monopoly, you don't get a big pile of cash for landing on free parking. That's a house rule. That's not in the actual rules. The, the game of Uno, you only have to pick one card if you don't have that color on the pile. You don't have to keep drawing until you get something to play. So there's a difference between actual rules and house rules. There's a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And the, the point is, if we aren't careful, we can become hard to play with. If we're such sticklers for you got to keep these rules, it's no fun anymore. And that's the point of playing the game is to have some fun. And it's one thing to do it during a game, but we're seeing it all around us in life right now. My opinion about fill in the blank is the only right one. And I don't care what you fill in the blank with, masks, politics, COVID, justice, family, spending time, how you spend your money, the diet you're eating. It doesn't matter what you fill that blank in with. We get to a place where we think our way is the right way, and suddenly we become not so fun to be around. And we get very critical of others, and it's causing people in our society right now to separate. Or they separate from other people that are different, and they gather with only people who have the same opinion. We tell people, hey, you've, you've got options. You can do it my way my way, or my way. Just pick one. And that's the right answer. And we do it all the time. And it's actually caused people a lot of anguish right now. People have been robbed of life because relationships are broken. And the things that we're doing have let that attitude creep in and we become hard to be around. And believe it or not, churches are not immune from this kind of thinking. Oh, ooh, don't, only amen if you're not from new life this morning. <laughs> Come on, somewhere along the way, somebody gets the idea that my way is the right way to worship, or what we believe about this issue is the right thing to believe. And the next thing you know, as soon as somebody disagrees, we have 33,000 plus denominations in the world today because people forgot unity and they thought we got to have complete agreement. And if you don't agree on the rules with me, we got issues. And we might think that our church is the only one that's ever had these issues. We're thinking, oh, my church is so messed up. We don't agree on anything. But you know, it's been happening for 2,000 years. 
ever since the early church was birthed on that day of Pentecost that we talked about, it's been going on. It was such an issue in the early church that Paul actually had to write about it in one of his letters. And we are going to experience some freedom today from reminding ourselves what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 14. You can read all of Romans 14 later. Uh, You might not want any homework or assignments after church on a Sunday morning, but you can go home and read Romans 14 later. Uh, I'm going to give you some background, then Pastor Zach and Pastor Brian are going to come bring it home in a minute. Uh, But in addressing our need to be right all the time, this is how Paul starts out Romans chapter 14, verse 1. He says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. There are several times in the New Testament where Paul gives a list of do these things or don't do these things. And they're very clear. They're very explicit in scripture. Don't do these things. They're ungodly. Don't sleep around. Don't lie. Don't steal. All these things, they're very ungodly. But in Romans 14, he's writing about stuff that's not so cut and dry. He's writing about people's opinions. And in fact, uh, specifically in Romans 14, they were having arguments about should we eat meat or not? What's the right day to worship God? Should we keep one day holy or the others? People were still caught up in a mindset of behavior-driven faith. They had just been living under the old covenant. It was all about keep these rules, keep these laws, and you'll please God. And they were still in that mindset. And Paul was saying, quit arguing about that stuff. We have it to leave it behind. If our goal is just to keep a set of rules and check off a box of religious duties, uh, we are going to end up argumentative and bitter and critical and no fun to be around. And Paul was writing because people had started to divide over how they lived in matters that the scripture wasn't really explicit about. And he was saying, don't get baited into arguments about it. It's not worth dividing about. That unity that we talked about is so important and critical that it's not worth arguing and dividing about. He actually says, they're weak in faith in that verse, and they want to argue. I, I can tell you this morning, there, there could be a, a personal engine check of am I weak in my faith or not? Am I always up for an argument? Am I always wanting to tell people what's right or wrong going on in their lives? Anyway, I will leave that for somebody that needs it, and we'll move on. I, I feel like in Romans 14, you can almost hear Paul's exasperation. Can you believe that I got to write about this? And he goes on in this chapter in Romans 14, uh, he's, he's saying there are some things that are just a matter of conscience. If you think it's right, go ahead and do it. If you think it's not right, don't do it. If the Holy Spirit tells you, don't do that anymore, you know what you should do? Don't do that anymore. And it may not be something that's explicit in scripture, but if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and working on your heart about it, don't do it. Basically, Paul's saying, hey, it's between people and God, and we ought to keep our mouth shut when it comes to things that Scripture's not clear about. Our opinions don't matter as much as walking in unity together. And right in the middle of his message, he's writing this in chapter 14, right in the middle of his message, he drops this bombshell. He says that the most important thing is that we live from a place that isn't about what we do. Let me, let me say that one more time. He's, he's going on. Here's all these arguments we're having. And in the middle of this passage, he says, the most important thing is that we live our lives from a place that is independent of what we do and what everybody around us does. And he says this in Romans 14, 17. He says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom life that Jesus wants us to experience, that blessing that we were singing about this morning, it isn't produced from keeping a set of rules. In fact, trying to keep all the rules will wear you out. 
Has anybody ever gotten worn out trying to keep the rules? We do things in our own flesh, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. We get worn out. It's tiring and draining to keep the rules. The life that Jesus wants us to live comes from our connection with the Holy Spirit. And it produces righteousness and peace and joy in our lives. They become our portion. And why does that matter? Because the very next verse in Romans 14, 18 says, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Now, don't go out seeking human approval. Don't make that your goal. But if you live this way, people will want to be around you. You'll, you'll be fun to be with. If our goal is not to follow the rules and keep the rules and be sticklers, but if our goal is to experience and give away righteousness, peace, and joy, it demonstrates that we belong to God and people will want to be around you. Christians ought to be the people that everybody wants to be around. There should be something about our lives that say, man, I love that guy. I just got to be around him. I can continue to be right about everything and be lonely or I can focus on what really matters, and I can make a difference in the world. People in the world need people who possess righteousness, peace, and joy to give it away because there's a lot of brokenness going on in the world right now, and that's where healing comes from, from the people of God giving that stuff away. One more time, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Drop that mic. Drop that mic, Chris. No, he's a teacher, man. He's a teacher. You know, let's talk about this. Let's talk about righteousness real quick. Let's talk about that. We, we jump into what the kingdom is, is all about. Let's talk about righteousness. You know, uh, there was a lake. It was in, in Louisiana. It was called Lake Pinois. I know everybody wants to say it. Go ahead and say Pinois. Go ahead and say it. Mike, how do you say it? Did I say it right? Pinois. <laughs> Got any Boudreaux jokes, Mike? Mike will tell you a Boudreaux joke. Go, just go ahead after service, ask Mike a Boudreaux joke. He'll tell you. But Lake Pinois, I know you want to say it. But uh, this lake in 1980 was about 10 feet deep. And there were miners who were, who were mining down. They were doing a test drill. And they noticed that their rig had gotten caught down below the surface. Suddenly, they hear five huge booms and the rig goes and tilts over. They said, we better abandon ship. Let's get out of here. They get off to the shore, and it turned into the world's largest bathtub drain in, the, in, in a moment. Uh, there was a salt mine underneath that sucked up all of the lake. It dried it. Now, when it dried it, here's the interesting part. It didn't just, like, take the lake and then just leave it completely dry. It actually reversed, reversed the polarity. It reversed the flow of the Gulf of Mexico to drain into the lake. So the lake was 10 feet deep, and then it became 200 feet deep. It had drained into a salt mine, and luckily all the salt miners had gotten out. It sucked up a parking lot. It sucked up two rigs, and it also uh, sucked up a huge barge, okay? When we talk about righteousness, the kingdom of God being about righteousness, I want you to remember one thing. That what God did in Christ, you'll see it up behind me. Come on, show, show a picture of that lake, by the way. Come on, you got it, right? You got it, see? This is the lake. Uh, before it, it drained back in. Now let's go into this next statement. What God did in Christ is big enough to swallow up all that you used to be. And when Christ sucked up all that you used to be, he didn't just leave you there. He actually filled you with himself. 
he actually replaced, his righteousness then becomes your righteousness. His peace then becomes your peace. This is what we pastors love to call the great exchange. And you can download a million sermons online hearing about the great exchange, but he takes your brokenness and he gives you healing. This is, this is what it's all about. He gives us himself. It, this scripture, every time I, or every time I, I, I think about this story, it reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's become a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It goes on and says in in verse 21, it says, for our sake, he made him to be no sin, him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now this scripture, I, I, we just bought a dog. I love my dog. Okay. I didn't really love dogs. I'm not a dog person. I'm not an animal person. Okay. Yes, I am. I just hide it. I pretend like I'm not, but I, I have a clause with my kids that I'm not cleaning up a certain thing that dogs do. And I've held strong to that puppy. Okay. Uh, but I love this puppy. I hold this puppy all the time. But the other day, my puppy's chasing her tail all around and I'm like, don't be that dog. Come on. Just stop right? You're like, I want my dog to be the most intelligent dog out there. You want to take your dog to parties and be like, look, this dog can turn on the faucet, you know, (laughs) like it's pretty sweet. That's the way you want your dog to be. But my dog's chasing the tail. I'm like, you, you have already got it, pup. You've already got your tail. Okay. You don't need to keep chasing it. Here's what I've noticed about righteousness. You know, that you cannot become any more righteous that you already are. That when you came to Christ, he imparted his righteousness to you. Righteousness is used 700 times in the Bible, yet we don't even know what the definition of it is. Righteousness is simply right standing with God. You cannot become any more in right standing with God than you currently are. And I know, honestly, because there's people online who are watching right now, and you legitimately feel like you can't step into this building right now because you are not righteous. Let me tell you, you're probably not righteous. I'm not going to argue with you about not being righteous. I'm not going to argue with you about your sin, but I am going to tell you that you can never come to Christ on your own accord. You can never gain your own righteousness. Your works will never cause you to feel comfortable in a setting like this. There are people on the other side of the spectrum, however, where we have forgotten where we came from. We forget what it was like to not have Christ in our life. And every day we just look and we push up our glasses and we say, I cannot believe people are living the way they're living. They're living the way they're living because Christ is not in them yet. And when we come to Christ, he imparts to us righteousness. He imparts to us who he is. Now listen, just so you don't feel alone, if you don't feel righteous, when I was in eighth grade, I got kicked off the soccer team for mooning old ladies on the Swickley Bridge, okay? I mean, there was fog on the window, nice little print. I was like, this is genius. You know, I was like, this is going to be awesome. What's really funny is we're, we're going across the Swickley Bridge into Ambridge, okay? I'm mooning people coming from moon, <laughs> right? I get kicked off the soccer team, and, you know, now I pastor in that community. Isn't that hilarious? This is so funny. I wonder if that lady comes to our church. Wouldn't that be so funny? Like, I saw you at a whole different level, Pastor, when you were in eighth grade. But I remember the feeling. I remember the feeling, right, where 
I had to tell my parents that I got kicked off the soccer team. And we're sitting at the dinner table. It's silence. How was school today, Zachary? (laughs) Fried chicken in front of me. I could not eat fried chicken. I couldn't eat it because this pit, this stomach inside of me. And I was like, guys, I, I I got kicked off the soccer team today. My mom's like, what? I was like, what did you do? I was like, I was mooning old ladies on the Swickley Bridge. <laughs> I remember that pit, that's, that, that feeling in my stomach. And if you don't have Christ, that's where you are when you think about coming into the presence of God. But I'll tell you, there's two ways you can approach God. On your own, in your own righteousness. And in that way, you're going to feel like, okay, I've got I've to clean everything up. Listen, with all my heart, I have been having focus groups and talking with people and hearing people, one-on-one counseling sessions and meeting with people, just hearing what God's doing on the earth. And not three times have I heard out of a hundred meetings, a desire to see someone come to Christ. I have seen a lot of self-focus in this time. And and COVID has brought this to us where we become isolated, insular, and self-focused. I'm just thinking about me, but we need to get our eyes off of ourselves. If we have our eyes on ourselves. We'll continue to work our way to God. But Christianity is not about you and me working our way to God and climbing a ladder to become more like God. Jesus came, he climbed that ladder down to us. This is the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world is that you don't have to work your way to become more like him. He made his way so that you could become more like him. So you can approach God in your own self-righteousness and you could say, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the best person in the world. I'm never going to swear. I'm never going to yell at my wife. And then the moment you do, you feel that gut punch, that condemnation. I can't stand in the presence of God. Isaiah felt it when he was in the presence of God. He said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the, in the midst of, of an unclean people. Because he saw the holiness of God. It's, it's sin consciousness. And sin consciousness robs you of your ability to approach God. But if you're righteousness conscious, understanding that it's already a gift to you, you can actually enter into the presence of God in the midst of all of your quote-unquote unrighteousness. You know, I have this friend of mine. And, and this friend of mine has loved me through many seasons. He's a spiritual father to me. And I know that every, every time I, could, I go to him, no matter what I've done wrong or no matter what I need corrected on, I know exactly what to expect when I come to him. And that's why I open up to him because I always feel love. I always feel empowered. I always feel like he's for me. You need to know that you have a heavenly father who's imputed to you, who's gifted you his righteousness, but he wants you to come to him and he's predictable. God loves you. I don't know about you, but I grew up Catholic and I thought God had a a heavenly paddle up there. Anytime I did something wrong, he was just waiting to whack me. And that was often much more than just in eighth grade on the, on the bus coming home. But I want to tell you two things before my friend Brian comes up. You cannot get there on your own. This is why religion is, is so dangerous This is what we need to do in order to get to God. This is what we need to do in order to get his face turned toward you. No, you can't get there on your own. You can't get there on your own. But you also need to remember that you didn't get here on your own. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget. Of course. Of course. Of course people think the way they think. Because they need Christ. 
They need Jesus, just like you and me. You can approach him just as you are, but he's not going to keep you as you are. Come on, brah. Wow. Hey, how'd you like to be in a position to follow that up and get left with two minutes to wrap up the service? <laughs> the band's going to come up to make me sound more spiritual as we wrap this up this morning. Yeah. So when Pastor Chris said, hey, I have this idea to do this verse, Romans 14, 17. Did I just get the right verse? Yes, 14, 17. Righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. It took me back immediately to Ron Canoli, 1992. Lift him up worship album. Come on, somebody. And as soon as he said it, the song just started playing. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you? Okay, I'll stop. Come on. But seriously, it just we listen to that album over and over and over and over growing up. And parents, if you don't think your kids are catching what you're listening, 30 years later, I can recite scripture off the melody of the verses of the melodies of the songs. Ron Canoli, I've been listening to it all week on Spotify. How about some great homework this week? Ron Canoli, 1992, Lift Him Up album. It's going to change your life. It's got a horn section in it. The guy plays flute like Ron Burgundy on jazz flute. Man, it is unbelievable. It's so great. But in the verse, it says, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we read it like this, righteousness, peace, joy, when everything's right in the world. When everything goes my way, when my marriage is perfect and my children are behaved and I get the job and they close the deal and I get the car and the dream house and every circumstance in life is rainbows and unicorns and lollipops, then I will have peace and joy. But see, that's circumstantial peace and joy. And sometimes you'll experience that in life. You'll get the highs and you'll get the lows and you'll have that. But we need something a little more deeper than that. We need the Holy Spirit. And this is where it says that in the Holy Spirit, we will have joy in peace outside of our circumstances. Jesus said himself, in this world, you will have trouble. Well, bless God, preacher, I don't know if I believe that. Well, he said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Remember that one? Jesus said you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tough time in this life. And the Henrys, my family, we've been experiencing that. They say that there are two things that are about the most stressful thing you can go through in life. That's having a child and moving, right? I'd like to submit there's probably a third church planting. Come on, somebody. You know a little bit about that. But we just decided in this year, you know, why not? Let's just keep it real. We had another child, our fifth daughter. Come on, somebody, right? And then, you know, why not on top of all this? Let's just buy a house, sell a house, renovate it, and move into a renovation, which we just did two days ago. We can't find anything. It took me 20 minutes to find a belt this morning. And we did this in the middle of a global pandemic with little children at home and a geriatric dog that won't stop peeing in the house. Come on, someone. You're talking about, you're at the early stage chasing the tail. We're like chasing its tail out of the house. House. like it's time to go move on come on Jesus sweet home sweet chariot <laughs> but there needs to be a joy and a peace that comes beyond our circumstance and the situation that we're going through because man if it was all about what I'm facing there has been so much anguish there have been tears there have been frustration it's just been hitting a wall and the global pandemic has just intensified all of this we've been going through this and just been stripped of our joy stripped of our peace Everyone's lives have been turned upside down and so frustrated and we need the Holy Spirit to truly experience this peace and this joy. So two, two quick thoughts for us. To get to this place of experiencing peace and joy, we've got to start with our thoughts. 
You ever heard the saying, you got to change your stinking thinking? Some of us need to change the way that we begin to think. Philippians 4, 8 says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of our praise. It starts with our focus, what it is that that we are focusing on. Matter of fact, Tommy Newberry wrote a book called The 4-8 Principle. Give you some more homework. Go look it up. Small book. Really easy read. It's got a yellow smiley face on it. It's going to be good. And it talks about changing our perspective and what it is that we are focusing on to find joy, to find peace, even in the difficult circumstances circumstances of our life, but we've got to change the way we think. And we've got to understand that the peace is not going to come from within us. It's not going to be us trying hard enough or lining everything up. Are you a little bit like me? Are you trying to get the puzzle all together and make it line up? And I just got to work harder and fix it. If I can just take care of my family, if I can just push through this move, if I can just put in 16 hours, 18 hours, 20 hours a day to make this thing happen, then we can experience some peace and joy. But it comes from what Jesus said when he left this earth, when he went to heaven in John 14, 27. Who loves getting gifts? Anyone like receiving gifts? Well, Jesus Jesus gave us a gift, and I think he's probably the best gift giver. He said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. Come on, somebody. So don't be troubled or afraid. There's a peace that can only come that Jesus gives to us. And that peace and that joy that we experience, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the book of Nehemiah tells us this. And it makes no sense because if you read the context of the story, they're being read scripture and they're being told how terrible they are and how they've been disobedient to God and how they miss up in the middle of it. He's just like, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. And as I was reading through that this week, I'm like, what, what does that have to do with? They're like in tears. How's the joy of the Lord, their strength? But then I realized something and this is key and this is where we're going to land today. That they were in the presence of God. They were hearing God's word. They were celebrating who God was and what he had done in their life. Psalm 30, verse 11, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you my thanks forever. Friends, today we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. See, when we say yes to relationship with Jesus, something powerful happens. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. And we don't have to strive to be good enough. That righteousness, that right standing that comes with him, that begins to develop these fruits of the Spirit inside of us. It begins to change us as we begin to leave the old life, the old habits, the old thinking, the old patterns. It begins to transform us as we begin to surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. And today we need a fresh infilling of that Holy Spirit. We need to get in God's presence in order to experience that joy, experience that peace. One final verse with you, and we're going to sing 2 Corinthians 3, 17. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're going to sing today. We're going to sing this song as we close out, and we're just going to be a team up here if you need prayer. But here's what I want to challenge you with today is that I don't know what you were going through. And you're like, oh, Brian, that's really cute. Your dog that's messing in the house, a move, having another child. And I know that might seem mild compared to what you're going through. I'm not going to say that what I'm going through is worse. We've all been going through stuff. Remember, Jesus said it. You don't need a pandemic. In this life, you're going to have trouble. 
but see that we can have peace and we can have joy not because of our circumstances. We can have joy and peace in spite of our circumstances because of the Holy Spirit and what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Would you stand with us as we sing? And I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray in this moment that you would fill us afresh, fill us anew with your Spirit. God, I just pray for those here today, Lord, who are watching online, who are here in this room, and God, who've just been so weighed down, have been dealing with the stress and the mind games and the depression and the anxiety and the frustration, or feeling like stuck in a loop like Groundhog Day where they just can't break through to the other side, wondering where the joy will come from, wondering if they'll ever find peace again on this side of eternity. And God, I just pray right now that your spirit would fall in this place. God, that people would experience and encounter you in a real way. God, that your word says that the spirit, the anointing breaks the yoke, Father God, so we just pray right now in your name, Jesus. God, that there would be peace, that there would be freedom, that there would be liberty. God, that you would break chains, God, that you would break generational curses, God, that you would break sinful patterns, God, that you would break the mind control and the games, Lord, that we've been living under, Father, the depression, Lord, the anxiety, the fear, the panic. God, we just thank you, Jesus, for what you're gonna do in this moment. I just encourage you, lift your hands. And just as we sang that verse earlier of surrendering, just surrender to God's spirit, invite him in. God, we can't do this on our own. We can't manufacture peace. We can't manufacture joy. We need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.